Digital transformation is a fixed yet fluid reality in our post-pandemic world. Brands are shifting to a digital-first economy where prospects and customers expect genuinely tailored experiences. More than ever, marketers today are taking on more responsibility for digital transformation, driving business performance, and expanding their strategic leadership in their businesses. Hi, I'm Wilson Raj, and welcome to this episode of the Reimagined Marketing Podcast. Marketers on the rise. Findings from the CMO survey. I'm really excited to have our special guest, Professor Christine Moorman, who is the Senior Professor of Business Administration at the Fuqua School of Business from Duke University, where she's a faculty member in the, in the marketing area. Professor Moorman has authored many books uh, in this area around marketing leadership, marketing excellence, uh, marketing expertise. One of her books, Strategy from the Outside In, Profiting from Customer Value with George S. Day, was awarded the 2011 Barry Book Prize for the best book in the field of marketing. Professor Mormon is also the founder and managing director of the CMO Survey. Now, founded in 2008, the CMO Survey is the longest-running non-commercial survey for and about the field of marketing. And this is where the research where she collects and disseminates the opinions of top marketers around the world in order to predict the future of marketing and to be able to improve the value of marketing in firms uh, and the businesses that they serve. Now, she also blogs uh, extensively about the survey findings at Forbes, Harvard Business Review, Marketing News, and many other publications. So with that, I'm excited to welcome our guest, Christine Mormon. Hi, welcome, Christine. Thank you, Wilson. It's wonderful to be with you today. Absolutely. You know, I think it's uh, absolutely your your work since 2008 has become sort of a uh, a stalwart piece where marketing folks pretty much all over use as a benchmark to assess you know where the state of marketing is at, what is happening, but also more importantly, what what uh, needs to happen. So can you just tell a little bit about just the genesis uh, of this this project called the CMO Survey that started in 2008 and has been just running through up to now and I'm sure into the future? Well, thank you. So the survey was really born out of frustrations that I was experiencing and that I, I sensed other actual marketing leaders were experiencing as well, which is that you know, marketing leaders weren't being interviewed by the press uh, or, uh, you know, investors for their views on various critical marketplace trends or company marketing activities. Often they would ask the CFO these questions. And so I, I felt there was a need to get more exposure for marketers um, in their role as experts about what was going on with customers and how customers could be managed as, as well as brands and other important assets that, they, that they're responsible for. But it was also the fact that I, what I sensed is that, and I think this is still a frustration for marketing leaders, is that they don't have very good benchmarks. Mm-hmm. You know, so when they, when, you know, when they think about going to their CEOs or CFOs to increase their marketing budgets, how do they know whether 
you know, more budget is necessary. How can they put that into perspective? And so that's when I developed the survey to sort of capture um, the the opinions of these marketing leaders um, and then disseminate the results. And a lot of the questions that we ask are forward-looking measures. You know, where is marketing going? Uh, what are you doing to lead marketing within your organization? But also uh, to provide those benchmarks that I mentioned so that marketers can turn to the survey and get a sense of where they fit, you know, whether it's in firms of their size or firms in their industry, they can gauge how well they're doing and, and how much they're spending on marketing. Right. And so with that, Christine, I, great intro to uh, one of our first sections, uh, the, the notion around how, and uh, this is a very important part of your research, how the marketing function Right, and certainly it's called the CMO survey, but I think everyone in marketing leadership or in marketing absolutely benefits from this. So, you know, the, the certainly the context here is that you know we know the context of the, the the pandemic, right, has prompted you know many businesses, many brands to undergo uh, just a radical, rapid transformation in their go to market models, right? And you've tracked those, and and we are seeing in other research, but certainly in yours that. Uh, there's a sense that many of these businesses are moving past that initial, you know, nascent phase of digital transformation, uh, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, and and becoming, you know, you could say more 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 mature, you know, they're more integrated, they're more emerging, and you're seeing that spectrum. So the question is, you know, what's that spectrum that you're seeing where you know the people going from nascent to emerging, and related to that, the role of marketing leaders. These are these are excellent questions, and I think just to put it in perspective, it's it's important to appreciate that the, this this dramatic transformation that's occurred during COVID, and born you know out of necessity, companies had to transform quickly, and and as a result, one of the questions that we've asked a few times in the last couple of surveys that look at the period over the pandemic is how the, the importance of marketing has changed. And mm -hmm. what we see there is we see consistent reports of increased importance of marketing during the pandemic. In fact, 72% of marketing leaders reported that marketing had increased in importance. And, and a big part of that, as you mentioned, is that the responsibilities that they've been given in the digital area. Uh, what we report in the CMO survey is that marketing is responsible for digital marketing in 94% of companies. They are leading those efforts, um, not the CTO, not the chief digital officer, wow. not the CEO, it's the CMO. And, and the other thing is they have led the transfer, the digital transformations in 73% of companies. So not only mm -hmm. are they responsible, but they led that transformation um, in the majority of companies. Um, and so you might ask, well, what are they doing? And what right. are some of the things that they've done? Two things really stood out from the surveys that we've done over the last year and, in, in, and even in this most recent one, which is that they were focused on building better customer-facing digital interfaces and also working to try to help transform their company's go-to-market business models. These are big mm. strategic activities, which I think has been really important uh, for marketing to play a role, because I think what happens is the way that we imagine marketing, which I really, I really like the title of your podcast and the reimagining of it, is that we need to think about it as a strategic function. That is the full benefit of marketing. If we think right. about marketing just as sales support or promotion or things like that, we're really not fully 
generating the value that marketing can bring to organizations. So, so that's actually good news. And uh, so, how are marketers sort of you know the, you know taking this newfound uh, I don't want to say notoriety <laughs> or newfound uh, you know halo effect uh, you know that they are involved you know pressures you know are, are they stepping up to the plate you know and then we can talk about some of the other pieces. Sure. So maybe good news and bad news. I'm okay. The good, the good news is that. Um, during this same period, uh, we've asked how often is the senior marketing leader asked by the CEO or the CFO to participate in board meetings mm. or earnings calls, which in a publicly held company is the, that is the upper echelon. That is the place where that's the seat at the table that the marketer wants, right? They want to be advising in those critical situations. They also strategically, but here in these situations when they're managing this key stakeholder, um, it's important. And what we find is that those average participation rates are a lot higher actually than I think most people would expect. Uh, 43% of companies say that um, marketers participate in board meetings all the time. Mm -hmm. And on a seven-point scale, the number is about five, where seven is all of the time and one is none of the time. Now, the numbers are slightly smaller for earnings calls, which you might expect, but, but, but they're still healthy. They're sort of average rates. So I think that's the good news. The, the, I think that the challenging news for marketers is that it's really a story that, that challenges all companies going through this digital marketing transformation, which is that there still is work to be done that to really get the full benefit of the digital marketing transformation, we do need to move beyond, you know, the, you know, offering non-integrated digital elements mm -hmm. to fully institutionalized um, and, you know, digital investments that really can drive marketing decisions all the time. I think most companies are still stuck back at this kind of non-integrated stage. So the work of the marketing leader then is going to be really an internal marketing job, if you will, right. to fully get, you know, fully get the organization to embrace this big change and to, to, to then have its tentacles reach all the way across the organization, because that's where you get, first of all, that's where you see that marketing really is a pan-organizational superpower. Mm -hmm. um, and second, that in, that's where you really get the full benefit of your digital investments. Right. You know, uh, this notion around those changing expectations around spend and marketing uh, investments, I think, you know, your, your data points around the uh, just the increase in the number of marketing leaders asked to participate in earnings calls, right, or, or board meetings, that that's, again, a testament to driving that strategic digital transformation. Uh, and that they actually, uh, it's funny because in the, in the press, in the popular press, you don't... Uh, frankly, I don't see that uh, a lot, right? It's always, uh, maybe the tune is changing, but it's always sort of, oh, here's the short tenure of the CMO. Uh, I don't know what the, the current one right now is, may, might be a little bit longer than whatever it was two years ago. But but these encouraging results really show that marketing leaders are slowly but surely earning a seat. Uh, and you talk about the improvements. i like to pursue one more line. In, in the past, we used to say the best buddies for the CMO, uh, right, for her would be the CIO, right? Because marketing and technologies go together. And there's something that you said, like there's now a new person and that's a new best friend, if you would, the chief financial officer. So could you talk to that in terms of that, you know, uh, you know, you talk about marketing being a pan 
you know, a strategy, right? A pan, a cross-functional. What are some of the things that you have seen in your research, you know, anecdotally in terms of that CFO and CMO construct? Although, we, you know, rather than just, hey, I need to justify my budget, does it go beyond that? That's a good question. So maybe what I can do first is drop in one quick benchmark Okay. Uh, data point that I think marketers actually will find useful. It's probably the most used data point in the CMO survey, which is that we find that marketing spending is on average about 12% of overall company budget. So if you take oh, wow. the full company budget, marketing mm-hmm. spending is about 12%. And it is about 9% of company revenues. Wow. So for, for marketers out there who are trying to get their you know handle on where they sit, you know, on that on that budget spectrum, those might be useful numbers. You can mm-hmm. also go deeper into any some of the, the firm and industry breakout reports where we say, okay, if you're a software company, if you're a healthcare company, and look to see what those budget figures are. But mm-hmm. those budgets are they 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 sort of I mean they fluctuate a little bit, but those numbers have have stuck around for a long time now for more than seven or eight years. Um, so that's kind of one number that marketers can put in their pocket and turn to. But here's the problem, and, and this is the problem that you were referring to, which is that um, marketers do get a lot of pressure from CFOs and CM- CEOs to prove their worth. And uh, the pressure is really not the problem. I think the problem is that these non-marketing leaders tend to focus they tend to think about marketing as a short-term effect. So they, they look for the short-run effect of marketing spending, and they're not really patient for the long-run effects of marketing spending. And so that's the job, I think, that the marketer needs to take on. They need to really embrace the opportunity to educate uh, the C-suite on where they can provide value. And I think that part of that involves building a business case Mm-hmm. With the CFO, um, that really does, you know, focus on you know that those longer term effects. Um, and we did some additional interviews, uh, both with Deloitte and with with Google in one of their big organ organ future studies. And some of the, the the findings from the survey, together with those interviews, point to just maybe a couple of things that I'll point to first having a real business partnership with the CFO. To think about that as a relationship, as you mentioned, that needs to be engendered. And that means, you know, saying this is how marketing really connects to the firm's business strategy. Um, And and also to meet with that person regularly, not just at big senior management meetings, but outside of those meetings to explain, you know, what, what, what you're doing, like, you know, what is, what is your hypothesis? You know, if you spend in this direction or, you know, what, what mm. do you expect will happen? That's because- a good one, Christine. So getting the CFO's buy-in mm-hmm. into the marketing strategy, rather than looking at it as like, all right, I need to justify to the executive, here's my budget and then defend is actually to co-create uh, with the CFO. So that's a, it's definitely a shift in, in mindset. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And, 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 and one thing that can help marketers do this is to run experiments. These can be okay. very small scale. They can be, you know, on a website. They can be in a lab. They can, you can do, you can do survey, you can, sorry, do experiments in so many different ways. They're still very uncommon for many marketers, uh, but they're a nice way to show, you know, like if we, if we take this action, we see, we see this lift over baseline because we have a control condition. Um, So running those experiments is really important. And then finally, I think marketers tend to, uh, 
you know, pay attention to, and, the, and non-marketing leaders also tend to pay attention to those shorter term effects right. that, that marketing can have. So I think what we, what we came to was this idea of creating a full funnel view, you know, that really showing the effect of marketing across the funnel. So, you know, you have to spend um, at, the, at the top of the funnel because you know that it's going to really pay off at the bottom. So you see that longer term effect on whether it's customer retention or customer purchase in the, in, you know, uh, to, to start with customer retention, the value of the brand, mm-hmm. all of those require that the company spends. Uh, but if you don't pull that thread all the way through the funnel, then how is anyone going to see, you know, what that longer term effect is? Right. Absolutely. So that long view, I, I think that 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 constant pressure, you know, especially, you know, public firms, right, and that uh, quarterly earnings calls, right, where there's that short-term pressure, but then uh, to have that long view and balancing that. Uh, just, uh, you know, something popped in my head here. Like, are you seeing sort of similar strategies, you know, uh, for both what I would call digital natives? So like the Ubers of the world where, you know, they, they started digitally, right? That's their, their mindset and their whole business model, you know, and the ecosystem is predicated on that. And then the others who are traditional and then they have now digitized. Are you seeing similar kinds of uh, uh, of behaviors or the digital natives, they have this pretty much locked in, uh, locked and loaded? I think, I think the latter. I think, okay. um, I think because they've set up the metrics, the systems ah. are set up so that they feed back into, um, you know, the decision-making that's going on. And I mean, this, this goes to one of the topics that I, I did want to talk with you about, which is metrics. Yes. And, um, and, and, and what, we've, what we actually find, it's, it's very surprising. We find that when we ask marketers to rate a whole, you know, I think 26 different metrics, like how frequently do you do certain things? Mm-hmm. The top, the, the most used metrics were all things like sales, uh, sales, revenue, uh, customer engagement, uh, digital, web, mobile performance. Those were highly used, which is great. Right. What was very weakly used uh, were things like customer lifetime value, ah. um, you know, brand equity, even measures of brand differentiation, uh, you know, things that should really be part of, you know, you should be measuring these things regularly so that you can actually first of all, show what marketing is capable of. If you're not measuring these things regularly, how are people going to know where marketing is having its effect? Um, but also it, it doesn't really, it, it, it also hurts the ability to make the case for marketing spending. So I think the idea that we need to, we need to expand the number of metrics that we ask. I mean, these were, these were used, for example, brand equity was was the lowest of all of these metrics, wow. which is really surprising given what we know about the, the value of brands. Absolutely. And especially, you know, if uh, you know, 2020 and certainly this, you know, 2021, and, and I think moving forward into this post-pandemic world where that brand equity, right, the longevity of the brand, the uh, transparency of the brand, all the things are, are, are critical factors beyond just delivering, you know, uh, products and, and services, right, or engagement. So I, I think you know there's a, there's a huge learning. You know, I think certainly in your in your research around the most used metrics, which are you know very near and dear to the marketers' hearts uh, in terms of content, lead gen, 
conversions, those kinds of things to something and then aligning it from a financial measure to the strategic value, right? Uh, speed to market, agility. Uh, you mentioned CLV or customer lifetime value or profitability uh, and, and then drawing the comparison. So I think the big takeaway here is that marketers need to convert marketing metrics to business metrics as best as they can and, and show the, 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 the lineage or the linkage to those things upstream and downstream. And uh, clearly it's, you know, some, some companies are doing better than others, but I, I think some of the things you out outlined there are really helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, just as we kind of talk about uh, marketing growth, you also identified beyond the metrics, there were certain behaviors that, you know, marketing leaders were, were doing, you know, there was sort of that common, you know, behaviors that was helping to drive the, the marketing side of the business, but also there are other, you know, less common behaviors, right? Just like the, the metrics you talked about. Could you, could you illuminate us on that in terms of, mm. you know, how that maps into marketing growth and, and proficiency? Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I talk about a lot in my class um, is that I think business people in general, and I would put marketers into this group, they tend to be sort of captured by their own industries, um, which is fine. I mean, they do need to know what's going on in their own industries, but a lot of learning and a lot of growth opportunities can come from looking at other industries. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, what kinds of business model changes are these companies engaged in? What kinds of marketing activities are they engaged in where there's, you know, the company can learn from it and import it into their own strategy? I mean, historically, there's, there's lots and lots of examples of companies doing this, um, but I, I think it takes time to step out and say, wow, what is this company doing that could have implications for, you know, for my business? There's a great example, um, the, the person who did the first rotating sushi company in Japan. <laughs> right. We all know, we all know the, I think it's Yo Sushi is the very popular one these days, but this was in Osaka, this, uh, the founder of the of that concept, where did he get his idea from? A local um, Asahi brewing um, company that where he he watched the beer bottles go around on the conveyor belt, and it struck him that this was a way that he could bring some novelty to his shop. Now he had to transfer that knowledge from a very different area, from a factory into a retail. Mm -hmm. you know, into a restaurant. But still, I think the opportunity here, there's many, many opportunities. So I think keeping your blinders down is important um, and, you know, letting some of those cross-industry opportunities um, seep in is, is really important. I think also, you know, machine learning, using machine learning and leveraging it for growth is really important. And we find that marketers really aren't using artificial intelligence or machine learning as much as they probably could. They're only using it about 11, about 12% of the time they report to us in the CMO survey. They expect that to triple to about 38% of the time. So we ask them in all, in all the decisions that you make, how often are they being driven by artificial intelligence or machine learning? So only 38% of the time over the next three years. So um, I think the key thing here is that, you know, that they think about 
where they can lean on their MarTech stacks to identify opportunities for automation and augmentation when they're trying to personalize their customers' experiences. Because mm-hmm. th- that it shows that, that there's, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Now, beyond some of the things that we talked about, what do you see emerging from your research uh, around some of the drivers of what future marketing leadership would look like? So there's a couple things that I can I can point to. One, I just wanted to. I think the, a theme for me for this discussion is is that marketing is so much more than than just creating you know short term sales. It's about creating valuable customers and creating valuable brands. And just one statistic that I've 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 shared widely that I think is important is this was a based on a study that we published in the Journal of Marketing. And what what these researchers did was they created a portfolio of companies that scored high on customer satisfaction as measured by the American Customer Satisfaction Index from out of the University of Michigan. And they compared that basically to um, uh, just the market returns. And what they found is that over a period of about 14 years from from 2000 to 2014, Mm -hmm. the companies that performed or had the higher customer satisfaction ratings were able to achieve a 518% wow. um, return Phenomenal. compared to the 31% return for the S&P 500 during that era. So big picture, marketing really does matter in, in, in a strategic sense. Um, and, and this is looking at the, you know, the stock returns that are associated with the companies. And so Keeping that in mind is important, and maybe just two quick things on on that that really stood out to me in the survey. That one is this very uh, surprising finding, which is that for the first time in a decade, we saw that traditional advertising, this is sort of like radio, TV advertising, became positive for the first time in a decade. So the last time it was positive in terms of growth rate was 2011 when mm. it was 1.3, and then it's been negative growth over the last decade. It reemerged as positive here um, in August 2021 when we measured it at 1.4%. So I think what uh, it remains to be seen exactly why. But my speculation is that marketers are finding that there's a lot of digital clutter out there and they're looking for ways to break through. Right. Podcasting, for example. I mean, you may have sponsors for your podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just SaaS or if it's other companies, but. Um, but you know they need to break through, and so traditional advertising is one way that they can break through. So that's that's one topic that I thought I would discuss. You know, along with that, you know, we've also seen uh, more uh, th- that emotional and uh, empathy and caring as it's expressed to you know diversity, right, and equity and inclusion, right, not just in the brand but also in the way that uh, you go to market. So, for example, in the finance sector, and we've had uh, uh, you know some some conversations with, with with folks where, you know, how do you serve the underserved in banking? You know, people who don't have access. Uh, you know, uh, if, uh, people who are uh, uh, in dire straits, uh, and and really help them along. You know, with advice, uh, with empathy. You know, with information, with guidance. So, uh, you know, 
So, so we're seeing that happen, and certainly in the CPG place as well, uh, uh, spots as well. So I think your, your research kind of touched a little bit. Can you kind of speak to that? Uh, as, and is that also another element for the next level of, of marketing? I think so. And we, I do have some data I can share with yeah. your listeners, which is that marketers, marketing leaders report that they'll spend about 11% more and, and they spent about 11% more over the last year on DE&I. So it is something that's very salient to people. Um, and, what, and we've asked these questions a couple of times. We see a shift, uh, which I think is you know, really an important shift. We see a shift to where marketers were focused more on external things like communication and brand, um, to, which was more the primary emphasis maybe six months ago. Mm-hmm. This most recent survey shows that it's it's shifting to more attention is being paid to things like segmentation and targeting uh, products and service design partnerships, things where that are more at the, you know, uh, that that are other aspects, other important aspects of marketing. So we see that shift, but there still is work to be done as there always is. And so just two points on that. We find that most companies don't have very uh, strong processes for um, for making marketing decisions that send those decisions through a DEI filter. So on a seven point scale, when we ask people to rate their companies, where seven is very highly, do they have this process versus one, not at all, we find a mean of about 3.5. So with fully 23% of companies say they don't do it at all. Mm. So without that kind of filter, it's hard to, to, to correct decisions that are, that are going to you know, not be DEI sensitive. And, 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 so, and also we find that fewer, too few companies have really changed their marketing strategy to reach more diverse customers. Again, on that seven point scale, a 3.4, um, companies just have not shifted away from their core customers to think about a more diverse set of customers. So we we asked, where's the bottleneck? You know, what's the trouble? Why aren't you doing more? And there were two things that emerged. One was the the difficulty of assessing the value of those DEI opportunities. So marketers are worried about, you know, if they have that marketing dollar to spend, if they can't really prove the business value of DEI, even though it might be the quote unquote the right thing to do. They're, they have some concerns about spending that. They like to be able to prove the value. Um, but then the other part of it is, and this is, I think, a real opportunity uh, and maybe the basis of a whole other podcast, which is envisioning those opportunities. You know, like how mm-hmm. do they how do they actually come up with what those DE&I opportunities are? I like the serve, the underserved idea that you shared about banking, but how is it that those ideas are generated? Right. I think marketers are struggling with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's fantastic. This is really, I think, a great spot to kind of end on on that note. You know, and uh, I think the big takeaway here, you know, from your research, Christine, is that as a marketing function continues to evolve, uh, marketers will be, you know, called on to provide even more strategic direction across digital investments, performance, and, and certainly brand building and brand value efforts. So. Uh, I think leveraging, you know, deep knowledge of a customer, you know, certainly aided by technology such as data analytics, AI helps. But I think, you know, the the, the biggest story here is really that mindset of experimentation, looking beyond your organization or even the borders of your team, uh, and then uh, uh, to be able to 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 get that spark 
of, of innovation. So thank you so much for joining us, Christine. It was great to have you on, on, the, on the show. Thank you, Wilson. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, be sure to head on over to sas.com slash reimagine marketing podcast, all one word, to join in the conversation and, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Uh, now, you can certainly subscribe to the series on your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Reimagine Marketing on your platform. And again, thank you for listening and, and joining us. We'll hope to see you again on another episode of the Reimagine Marketing Podcast. Have a great day.